This is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. And as they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And grace, peace to you from God our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love a good parade. Our friends at home missed quite a waving branch parade here this morning. But I love a good parade. In fact, a good parade is my favorite part of baseball growing up. Harwood Heights Youth Baseball used to kick off every season with a big parade, and it was usually this very day when that parade would take place. We'd all gather at the village hall. We'd shut down the streets for nearly a mile so that we could make the walk from village hall all the way to the baseball fields. Fire trucks lining the way. Then, then you get to the fields and you have the ceremonial first pitch thrown out by no other than the mayor himself. The mayor of Harwood Heights, Norm, who happened to be my coach also, but Coach Norm would throw out the North the first pitch, and it was this huge huge festival. And the thing I always remember is it always rained. It rained no matter what. And as a kid, it didn't matter. But as an adult now in charge of logistics, it matters. Logistics matter. As an adult now, I think back to that and I go, what a headache that must have been organizing all of these things, the street closures and the costs to get families and kids in their jerseys where they need to be. And this was in a pre-cell phone, pre-internet era, mind you, to get everyone where they belong at the right time and to do it. The logistics give me nightmares. If I'm being honest, actually, just a few days ago, Dickie, Christine, and I stood right here to figure out the logistics of the parade you just watched around the chancellor. It took us about 45 minutes to figure out those logistics, and it inquired walking in a circle, right? So that shows you how important logistics are. Logistics, as it turns out, are particularly important this day in our gospel reading. If you were to take a step back, actually seven of the 11 verses that we read earlier deal with the logistics behind Jesus' parade. The parade, as it turns out, was not a spur-of-the-moment thing. It was a carefully planned event. And it was carefully planned because this, of course, was a protest. What Jesus was engaging in was a planned piece of street theater, the intentions of drawing attention 
to the injustices of the world, the injustices being carried out by the Roman Empire itself. Location. Location, of course, is quite important. Now, maybe it wasn't village hall over to baseball fields, but it started with Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives, historically and prophetically, was viewed as the location where the final battle for Jerusalem was to begin, according to the prophets. But it didn't just end there, then. He goes to the temple, the location that is the very center of the life of faith itself. And there's those helpers, right? Those people that work behind the scenes to make things happen. Jesus does what he always does. He sends them out. Jesus is always sending people out. And so he sends two of his disciples out to go and procure the provisions necessary to make this parade one worth remembering. They're not going to get streamers, right? They're not going to get those markers that you paint your cars with. They're not even going to get war horses or chariots or fineries of battle. Instead, they're told to go and to get a donkey colt that's been unwritten. An animal, I guess, has a use for ceremonial purposes and perhaps nothing any great. The purpose of the ceremony is clear. To share with the world the dominion of God. Dominion for God doesn't come in these forces of power, right, of war and death, but instead it comes in the humbleness and peace that Jesus brings, the humbleness and peace that he represents. But even this peace, we see, is fleeting. The crowds are shouting Hosanna. When they shout Hosanna, they're, they're shouting, save us, save us. But the crowd soon will be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. The crowds themselves are rather fickle. Their feelings of love and adoration towards this one who comes in the name of the Lord are but fleeting, They're superficial. But the superficial love is going to soon be met with the endearing and everlasting love of God, a love that is going to lead to the cross itself, certainly where this parade will continue in the days ahead. In the last couple of years, we've seen our fair share of public demonstrations, of parades, and we've seen the fragility of those events as well. Generally speaking, each and every one of these planned actions begins with a similar cry of Hosanna, save us, save us from police brutality and systemic racism was the cry of the Black Lives Matter movement. Save us is the cry of those who are seeking new and tighter gun restrictions. Save us from being shot in our schools or in our malls or in our churches or in our own backyards. Save us from the destruction of creation itself is the cry of those who, who protest pipelines and who are looking for stricter, stricter laws to ensure that our environment is never irrevocably damaged. Save us, the common cry that we hear all the time. And in these cries that we hear, I hope, feel like worthwhile endeavors to get behind. I would argue that to some degree, they are part of our baptismal call. In our liturgy for baptism here at church, it literally says, when we ask the candidate or their sponsors, do you seek to work for justice and peace for all people and to care for creation itself? These cries of save us are familiar because they're very much in breath 
into our very baptismal call here as people of God. But what I've realized is that the responses to these movements oftentimes show the fragility, the fragility of our larger society, how quickly the crowds turn. We see this over, over, over again. It seems like ages ago when Kyler Kaepernick threw his last ball as a quarterback. Quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, he led them to a Super Bowl. He was the savior of a franchise. Until, of course, the moment when he planned a demonstration. It wasn't a parade, instead, it was a knee. He got on a knee as a planned demonstration against police brutality. Shouts of savior quickly turned into jeers. And he has not thrown a pass since. We see the same thing with the Black Lives movement. We hear the cry for justice and the response is, well, yeah, that's great, but all lives matter. The same goes for gun control. The moment we hear these movements start to swell up, the immediate response is, well, I have rights according to the Second Amendment, and my rights are to bear arms regardless of what you want or think. Those are the responses. That's the fragility of the societies in which we live. It's hard because I look at it as a parent and I struggle. Last week, our eight-year-old Henry was incredulous when he read in a book that there was a protest not too long ago that literally entailed sitting at a lunch counter. That that was a protest. He couldn't believe that someone wouldn't be allowed to sit and have lunch because of the color of their skin. He could not get over how that could be a protest. I didn't have the heart to tell him that we're not much better off this many years later. Yeah, sure, it might look different now. Maybe the protests sound different, and yeah, maybe people can eat at certain lunch counters, but is it always safe, or is it always what people want to do, or is it always the right thing? It's heartbreaking for me as a parent to see that the fight is still yet ongoing, that the, the systems of, of, of white supremacy and systemic racism that it upholds are still very much alive all around us. How do you explain that to a child? It's one of the things that as a parent, I have to do. See, I appreciate a good protest. I appreciate a good break. I appreciate a, a cause for justice that I'm passionate about because I see that it makes the world better for me, but not just me, but for the next generations and beyond. But I also see that oftentimes I am not unlike the crowds today. I often see that I am right there like them. Here's what I mean. I'll see a cause and I get real riled up. My attention is so hyper-focused. I want to do something. I want to be part of the movement. I want to go and march and protest and make signs and make it clear to the world that I'm on the right side of history. Then my attention wanes. Start to look elsewhere. Time goes on start to lose my focus. Until, of course, next time. And here's the secret, there's always a next time. There's always been a next time. And I realize that this whole ability to walk away is a part of the privilege that I have because of the way I look and how I've grown up and the access that I have in a society, let's be honest, built for people who look and sound just like me. I can walk away until next time because the odds are it's not going to affect my daily life in the meantime. And 
I'm relatively assured that I'm still going to be alive to see the next time. Because my life isn't hanging in the balance until then. I heard the news this last week. In 2020, we had the fewest shootings we've had in over a decade. Immediately, before I even could have the thought come out of my mouth, they said, well, and it's because we're all locked up in our homes. Guess what? We're not locked up in our homes. Guess what's happened? Gun violence happening again. Next time has arrived once more. It might have been delayed a year, but it's back once more. And the same is true with racially motivated crimes or hate crimes of any kind. Whether it be against the black community, the Asian community, the LGBT community, it doesn't matter. We're seeing it all over and over. It feels like rinse and repeat. And sometimes that's how this day Rinse and repeat. Every year, the Prince of Peace comes parading in. Every year, we shout hosannas, and within a few days, we're yelling crucify. Rinse and repeat. I should remember this. Jesus' demonstration this way is different because it is a once and for all demonstration. He's not waiting for next time because Jesus, especially in this gospel, makes it clear this is the time. This is moment. This is the last time that Jesus will enter into Jerusalem. And this is likewise the last time that he will breathe on this earth because God's unequivocal love will be shown for us. Jesus takes his last breath on the cross. Crowds are going to turn against him. Jesus does not turn the other way. He continues Along the path, the path that he knows leads to his death. The death that is going to usher in the coming kingdom, the very kingdom, mind you, that the people in the crowd today are blessing. That is very much one and the same kingdom. A kingdom centered in peace, a kingdom centered in freedom, a kingdom centered in justice, where the earthly powers no longer reign with death. Instead, life rules for all, especially for all who suffer in this life. Today, we join the procession. We join the procession towards the kingdom of God, a kingdom that welcomes us. Whether we stand, sit, kneel, or march, and protest in the meantime. Thanks be to God.